Welcome to the Teaching Value and Healthcare Learning Network. Join us to hear leaders in the field share practical and tangible advice about how to develop engaging curriculum and health system innovations to train a new generation of healthcare providers from diverse specialties and professions skilled to deliver high value care. With national concerns about rising healthcare costs, as well as overuse, underuse, and misuse of medical care, Costs of Care and the ABIM Foundation created the Learning Network as a space to share ideas, educational materials, and strategies in an open forum. Our goal is to discuss ways to get started, implement, and sustain feasible innovations in teaching and training and value at your institutions. I am Reshma Gupta, the Director of Evaluation and Outreach at Cost of Care, and I'll be moderating today's webinar. Today we will share an innovation improving price transparency. We are very excited and honored to have Dr. Yoshimi Anzai, who is here from one of our winners of the Value Challenge. She is a professor of radiology, associate chief medical quality officer, and adjunct professor of population health sciences at the University of Utah. She'll be sharing her program, the Interactive Price Transparency Tool. Yoshimi, I'll let you take it away to share an overview of your initiative. Thank you so much, Rismet. Uh, really great to be joining this Cost of Care uh, webinar. Um, I'd like to really show what we have done at the University of the Health to improve price transparency, illness or injury, and I go to a hospital and they are seeing, they're seeing a physician, the physician order tests or procedure they recommend, and they go through a whole process without knowing how much they have to pay. And this is a very unusual circumstances when you compare to when you purchase something that you know exactly what you're getting and also what's the satisfaction by the other consumers or how much they have to pay. So they are agreeable prices, but not in the healthcare. So this is really hurting a patient and also family member because after the care is all done a month later or a few months later, they received the bill. And then that could be the prices that they did not anticipate. So those kind of situation really creating a lot of bankruptcy uh, related to uh, healthcare expenses, or patient have to sell the house, or patient have to reduce the uh, uh, housing to apartment, or something like that. It could happen all the time. So, at University of Utah, we try to make that process to be much more transparent before the care is taken, so the patient know what their expense is before committing to go through either test or procedure. Um, so I want to show that how we did it and also what is this sort of notion behind this price transparency. So one aspect is really about disclosure of price because of the oldest healthcare transaction and not knowing how much and later on you get surprise bill uh, and that's not really right for the patient and I think it's really a uh, terrible situation for anybody who has to go through the medical care. They know that how hard it is and how expensive healthcare is. Um, and our leadership really thought about not just the price transparency, but what are the patient care, patient-centered care looks like in a healthcare. So they challenge all of us to say, what is patient-centered care looks like to environmental services or 
mm-hmm. ballet parking or uh, just pretty surgical, uh, the team, what is the patient center care looks like? And then the Lebanese cycle and beating folks that thought about this patient center care by themselves and that, well, maybe uh, the having the prices or uh, out-of-pocket expenses that know would be the best for the patient. And then we'd be able to discuss that option for uh, reducing a cost or uh, having an alternative test or procedure. The other things that we did in uh, uh, 2018 is the really value survey. Um, we talk about value-based care, value-based payment a lot, but we really don't know what is the value is. And we survey over, over 5,000 patients, 700 of uh, the executive and all of that. And we published it in a uh, Harvard Business Review. But what they ask, we, we ask the patient, what really the most important things when you're receiving health care? The number one, Number one answer was my pocket expense is affordable. And this is more than my health is improved or uh, I trust my doctors and all the other things that we think is important. But for patients, because of the high healthcare expenses, the out-of-pocket expense is the most important things for them. And so really it makes sense for us to make something for our patient, being able to understand the cost to them. So the other things though, the price transparency, we talk about a lot in the price transparency, in the healthcare, health policy, health economist, and a price transparency will reduce the total spending of the nation. That may, that's a little different than the, what we talk about price transparency to our patients. And the other t- price transparency that the payer is talking about is more about price shopping. They give you a price for hospital A versus B versus C versus D, and then kind of give your patient to choose most likely steering toward a lower price hospital. Mm-hmm. And that is more shopping, price shopping. And I think certainly that is a potential impact uh, if you try to reduce the uh, own expenses, they can mm-hmm. in lower price prices. Only things though, they don't really know the quality of care or they may not establish the physician relationship. So that's a different uh, kind of price transparency or in a way that the payer driven price transparency. Our price transparency is really more serving for patients, getting a patient the right information. Since we don't have other price from the other hospital, <laughs> we only know uh, out-of-pocket expenses for patients given the services. So that's great. I mean, that background in terms of really being patient-centered and coming from the leadership um, to develop a program that truly has that message more than running after necessarily, um, you know, regulations or kind of uh, policies coming out and kind of being proactive right. about being patient-centered. Can you tell me a little bit more about um, what specifically the the tool was that you developed and, and how it was created, you know, what data and things it took to, to build it? Um, I think our price transparency is uh, really getting the type of, so um, if you go through University with the price transparency tool, or you can Google it, uh, and you can uh, enter as a guest, or patient can go through my portal. 
and then they are able to select a procedure and then able to uh, enter some of the uh, insurance information. And we took that kind of past sort of the allowable payment. And then based on the patient's unmet deductible or co-payment, we calculate uh, patient expenses. It is not about how much we get paid from payer, uh, either Medicare, Medicaid, or private payer. Well, we use that information to create a what portion goes to patients. But really the price that we've shown in our website is the patient expenses, patient out-of-pocket expenses, not the amount that we pay from private payers. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was a lot of work uh, around the revenue cycle team, really huge credit to this uh, revenue cycle team led by Cassie Dallas. Uh, and then really, they tried to serve better for patients and then providing a more accurate information. So when patient goes through my portal, uh, my patient, a uh, patient portal, my chart, and then all the information about patients unmet deductible or type of insurance is all in there. So you don't need to type any of the unmet deductible. Many of the patients may not know exactly uh, how much I have unmet deductible. Um, and then we were able to calculate based on their information. Great. Um, so it sounds like having the information and the data internally from you know the, the revenue team and, and the finance department there, as long as you have that information then being input by the patients, you could calculate that amount um, more easily. Was that something that was done across all areas or was it focused on, on a certain number of procedures or um, things that were done, services provided? Uh, certainly, I think we started as more ambulatory side of care and also particularly for diagnostic testing, lab tests, imaging tests, um, but including some of the ambulatory surgery. Um, we have, uh, you know, I think estimate would be much easier when the variation of cost or actual payment is very um, uniform or less mm -hmm. variations because if the variation is wide then an estimate would be very inaccurate so we started from something like a very consistent procedure such as cataract surgery a vaginal delivery or joint replacement which has a very little variation compared to very serious illness like cabbage or heart transplant <laughs> uh, so we tend to be more focused a little bit more diagnostic testing lab mm -hmm. tests or uh, ambulatory surgery, but now we're expanding to almost 6,000 procedure. Wow. Few. So uh, I think it's trying to make the list comprehensive as much as possible. Um, the other things that are very important to keep in mind is having that tool to be understandable by patients, because sometimes we have a lot of medical jargons or code that a patient don't understand. And then, they don't know what I'm getting. Uh, so mm -hmm. the, all the words of explanation of procedure, the tests are written in a very patient-friendly fashion uh, and so that they understand what am I mm -hmm. going to get. So that's also very critical because our really tool is targeted to uh, how are um, how are patients involved with um, you know the process? Were they you know were they shown the tool and and provided in, any input on kind of, um, you know, development? That's an interesting question. 
I do not believe that a patient was involved from the beginning of the designing, but I think that designing, it was a very important part of the process. And I tried to make that tool to be uh, uh, patient friendly. Mm -hmm. uh, not too many quick, not many uh, sort of got question to be asked, then it make it simple. And also there's always the telephone number for them to call mm -hmm. back uh, because many of the patients may not really understand how to navigate a system and then they can make a phone call. But uh, I think that customer's view is very critically important uh, for those kind of tools that are patient-facing tools. Great. And, you know, for other listeners um, to this webinar might be thinking, how would I even get started doing something mm -hmm. like this? What resources do you think are some of the key vital pieces that you needed to do this? And what leadership support did you need? Right. So that's a good question. I asked that question to uh, Cassie Dallas, which is a, she's leading this revenue cycle team. And they really did not get an additional FDE. Hmm. surprisingly a whole team took this is what we're gonna do this and then they spent a lot of time with uh, data warehouse folks to design and navigate and also work with the marketing folks of what the patient view looks like so they really created a team without adding additional FDE to create this tool um, I think it's really mainly because of the passion of getting something mm -hmm. to serve a patient better but leadership, uh, leadership, but incredibly supportive. Sometimes you feel a little bit, of, uh, you know, some people may feel like, well, the way that I've exposed those numbers to mm -hmm. facing website, uh, you know, uh, there's a, some uncertainty involved. But I think our leadership are fully supportive of having more transparency. And I would say University of Utah is unique in a way that, that we posted even pre-screening for all the individual provider to public facing website for many, many years. I think it started mm -hmm. in 2012. So all the provider has a five-star rating, 4.5 versus 3.9, and in what kind of area that uh, there is some weakness. So you know, way that the, our culture of being transparent to our patient we serve is it's kind of like hardwired, but yes. still, I think I was shocked to see that this kind of tool was developed without additional funding. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point. It's that culture that's there, right? That oftentimes this kind of price transparency is one of the harder things to move forward with transparency and data. Mm -hmm. um, and so for other institutions that haven't really done much with transparent data from mm -hmm. the beginning, there, mm -hmm. this may not be the first thing that they, they address, <laughs> but something yes. that, you know, you needed to have that culture. Um, what kind of, was there any education or training that the clinicians or staff received about this new tool, you know, because patients might be coming in saying they're mm -hmm. using this to get them familiar with it? Right. So I think a price transparency tool, something like that, the one is really user top patient would be the user, but I think the other customer would be a provider particularly for uh, ambulatory primary care provider, they're talking to patient about whether or not that he or she need brain MRI for headache. And I think that in, in a typical sort of, well, maybe based on the guideline we should do it, but there's no kind of cost discussion 
at the primary uh, care, but mm -hmm. this kind of tool allow you to say, okay, so do you have Medicare? <laughs> and then this is the allowable and this would be the expense. And then having that piece of information to discuss whether or not we should get MRI or not, it would be uh, not necessarily that's the driven, but uh, additional information so the patient do understand what's the cost to them. Uh, so the primary care doctor are uh, aware that are the tool, although we could actually go farther in the next phases to say, this is the tool. I show it to medical students and they are so excited. You yeah. could not believe the, how excited they are. They're like, oh, so this is so cool. I did not know that we developed something like that in University of Utah. So our students are incredibly engaged and excited. The Great. other thing I want to mention is this kind of tool when you're looking at the who are accessing and who are using this tool, it, it is shocking, well, not shocking, but it's a, it's, it's a younger patient. We have a lot of people who access to a tool and calculating estimate about 25 to 35. And the next phase is 35 to 45. So it's a younger the patient, more keen to those kind of online price estimate tool. And the senior people, not so much. So it could be some cultural things that the younger people tend to have, get used to having access to information, a cell phone, mobile devices, and then getting a check-in comparing the prices. So this new generation of folks, when you're coming to the healthcare area, they are much more um, cognizant about those tools, more so than baby boomer. Yeah. So that's something to keep in mind. It may not be a huge attraction right now because much of the healthcare consumers are older, but generation changes the next 10 years or so, and that's gonna be most likely change drastically. That's so interesting that you find that. And I was also thinking as you were talking that I wonder if some of those younger folks also may have plans with higher deductibles or Absolutely. there are other things too, or they're soon out of college. So, you know, their savings are not as much. So that really comes into that, that, Absolutely. you know, placing them reset, paying rent and things of that sort. <laughs> yes. um, one last question for you is what do you believe your next steps might be before we wrap up here? So next step would be i think uh, i would think it's a, one of the is dissemination of this kind of tool to um, broader provider and then the provider awareness is a little bit um you know we could do more than that uh, and also um the patient uh education that uh, we could get a feedback from patient and say where do you feel like you could not figure it out so that, that we can actually make the tool a little easier? And um, transition to EMR, my po a patient portal, my chart, really made us so much more, less question, fewer questions for patients. So it makes it easier, but still we have a, more than half of the patient, almost close to 60% of patients go through this uh, public web website as a guest and then 40% goes to my chart. So we were kind of more pushing toward a, the patient portal side, but uh, certainly there are a lot of uh, shopper or just out of curiosity, <laughs> what the out-of-pocket expenses at the University of Utah. So there are a lot of people from California to center data and so forth, but really the more patient engagement and also dissemination of a tool and education to a provider. Uh, that would be the next step. Um, 
we have a six over 600 procedure, which probably be enough because sometimes when you expand it too many procedure, like a thousand and 10,000, then tool may not be as effective. We try to nest it at procedures such as radiology or lab or um, endoscopy so that the people can choose and then mm -hmm. filter into certain domain, which I think it makes it a little more easier. Great. Well, thank you so much. We're so um, honored to have you here and sharing um, your new tool with all of us. And, um, you know, we wish you all the well in taking those next steps. Thank you so much for having me.